You're listening to Faithful Adaptation, an audio series produced by Luther Seminary's Faith Lead, a connection hub for current and emerging faith leaders curious about big ideas and breakthrough practices for ministry. Episode 6 delves into leadership in uncertain times with Don Samuels, inventor and social entrepreneur. I grew up in a low-income home in Kingston, Jamaica, and uh, um, my dreams and my visions for myself, if determined by my circumstances, the possibilities, and what was the paradigms I could see, um, would dictate that I would never be here now. There was no way for me to get to the United States. I, I didn't even understand Americans when they talked half the time. I was 20 years old when I came here. Um, it was a miracle that I got here. And um, it was not in my plans. And my life has kind of taken off in that way. I was looking at the image of the tree that was in, in our, during our contemplative period and how the branches came out. Who knows where the branch is gonna come out from the trunk? And who knows where the, 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 the smaller branches are gonna spurt from? And who knows where the tree leaf is gonna pop out? It's all a, it's all a big who knows. And you can wander through the forest and you don't know anything. You don't know Jack. Everything just uh, happens and it's all beautiful. It, ha it all has its pattern. It's all glorious. Um, when it comes to our own lives though, we tend to want to know everything, to be in control of everything. And um, I would contend that that gets in the way of some breakthroughs, uh, the uh, creativity that the spirit is trying to achieve and uh, that uh, very often we have to be brought by the Spirit to a place of forcible unknowing or not knowing um, involuntarily. Um, another phrase that Richard uses is uh, spiritual growth comes through either great love or great pain. And 98% of the time it's great pain. We, we, we don't go uh, quietly into change. And um, uh, being a, a person who's made a switch from one culture to another, um, to, from, uh, from relating to one race of people completely to primarily another, from one generation, uh, denomination to another, to another, to another, uh, uh, th that constant change and, and uh, adaptation has been uh, very often painful and very uh, often a very unwilling experience for me because I want to know what's going to happen. I want to plan. And I want it to be predictable. And um, it's, those are the things that we value. And 
And I'm finding that the ch churches and denominations that did that best are struggling the most today. The ones that had their culture strong, their population predictable, their uh, origins celebrated, um, have been having the biggest struggle in adapting to a diverse, fast-changing, multicultural, global reality. Yesterday, uh, we had our second Zoom family reunion. And there are 10 siblings in six countries, two generations. <laughs> siblings and our children. And, uh, uh, you know, we were raised by a guy who was two generations removed from slavery and um, only knew Jamaica, and he was a Pentecostal preacher. It's been quite a trip trying to grow beyond that and to adapt. And, uh, but in the end, we've seen how God has used whatever ways we've been able to do that uh, to enrich our family. Uh, my stumbling into not knowing, into all of these reorientations, um, has been uh, what has brought me into this embracing of not knowing. It's not been a theological study or a, uh, a course or, or a, some kind of a Bible study discipline. It's really been, I've been shoved into it over and over again. And, um, and I'm frankly sometimes a little tired of it. And um, thinking again, <laughs> the first, um, the first uh, um, shove I got was just being so, um, so disturbed by the way my denomination and my country ignored the poor. And I, I just couldn't figure out that, especially because I went to a middle-class, upper-class school and lived in a low income community. And I made that trip every day. And my peers were primarily of the upper classes. And so all of my insecurities came out there. When I came back home, um, I was among people who were lesser achieving. And so I was misfitting either place. I was a, a kid of a Pentecostal home. And most of the kids in my school were mainline kids. And, um, and the girl I loved and admired, I couldn't approach because <laughs> I didn't have any money. My clothes weren't that great. I didn't have anything to offer. She still doesn't know. 
<laughs> so that those misfits and adaptations that I had to make uh, opened my eyes to the reality of both worlds, the inequities, the um, the fact that your teacher gives you a detention for not having the books or the shoes that your parents can't afford. And no questions asked. And you just take the detention with a smile. You can't. That's just the way the world is. And to see that and to feel that kind of forced me into a, a, a play, a, to being a misfit and to being ultimately uh, making peace with that and uh, to, to not knowing what the solutions would be. What is the solution? So I was kind of, you can imagine me sitting there as a black kid in Jamaica and here comes the civil rights movement thing. And Martin Luther King is talking about this dream and he's gathering the church people and the people from the synagogues and the, uh, some white allies and these couple of black pastors and black leaders are leading America into a new era. I was blown away. And these are preachers. Back home, we were, you know, thinking about going to heaven, getting out of here, getting out of Dodge. This place was gonna be rolled up and burned up and we were gonna go off to heaven and escape this nasty world. And so there was no need to fix anything. What are we gonna fix it? It's gonna burn up anyway. And the sinners are gonna to go to hell anyway. It, it's, uh, it was amazing to me to see this. And this, is, this became the birth of my comfort level with seeing the impossible the culturally entrenched, the unchangeable, and seeing in an even more oppressive context than mine, leaders who were spiritually motivated, imagining a world where that would absolutely change for good, forever. And they were doing it as people reading the same Bible. And they found the scriptures there to inform that posture, to dream beyond what was being taught, to dream beyond what they had received, and to go into the great unknown of the future with a different vision. That is a hugely disturbing thing. People will kill you for that. And uh, so uh, that became my inspiration. And so I, as I had to lose my culture, lose my comfort levels, um, I began to understand that that was a gift, that the disorientation of not knowing was a requirement. You could not move into a new future if you knew what the answer was. Because I can tell you, what a Jamaican boy knows is that life isn't fair. If you're poor, you will remain poor. That 
White people have a better life and they always will. You obey your parents, you obey your denomination, you don't make trouble. You live with reality as it is because this world will never change. And one day, if you live right and you can reach out and save a few people, make it to heaven and have some stars on your crown. That's my reality. That's who you're looking at. And so to move from that through the inspiration of the civil rights movement into imagining a world where, the, where God, my God, wanted to see all human beings living in peace and uh, enjoying one common humanity called the kingdom of God was an incredible journey. And so when I see, even in the great America where I got this vision, that the church um, in some cases has retreated and in other cases has never been into that space and is still stuck in denominational, familial, communal, racial, religious, national, tribalism, And yet, if you read the scripture today, it is so awesome that you can't even imagine the world that God wants to create. You, it, it is beyond our imagination. And so, how are we going to move into that world that is beyond our imagination? I was thinking about the coronavirus, how this little round invisible thing um, made its leap from an animal to a person and mysteriously spreads through invisible droplets breathed in or touched and cover the entire world in a matter of months. <laughs> And then I thought of, I thought of Mary, who, instead of, in terms of the, the virus, uh, this thing mutating and transforming until it was the epitome of contagious, contagion, and transferred when it was ready to a human being and just devastated the world. In the same way, this Christness, this Christ of God was transferred to a willing human being and just exploded across the world. That is, we don't know how either of those happen. It is a true mystery. And I believe that, that that spirit is at work today and wants to do the same thing again. But we have to get out of our usual way of doing things and understand that even this crisis is God's way of bringing us to this point of not knowing 
we, we can't recite this. We can't recite for it. We can't plan for it. We don't know what to do. We're all learning. We're all humble. We're brought to this space of humility. We don't know what to do. And to understand that this is God's place. When we don't know what to do, it is God's opportunity. And this is how God operates breakthroughs. And so I, you know, I, we should wake up every morning and say, okay, what? <laughs> what do we do? And so how do we keep that posture of openness? Mm. And uh, um, I, I'll just close by saying, I have, you know, I, I never used to meditate when I was going through all of these changes. I've since learned to meditate. But I did learn to be open. And meditation is a great path to openness, to recognize that we are vessels, that there's a greater wisdom than ours. And if we just be in God's presence that, and open ourselves up to the vision and the reality and the possibility that God will provide uh, new insights that are beyond our understanding and will send messages to us from sources that we currently do not respect or recognize. Sometimes it'll come from the preacher. Sometimes it will come from our child. Sometimes it will come from our boss, our coworker or our subordinate, our enemy. Sometimes just a, a passing thought. But if we're not in that posture of openness, we will never hear that voice. And we will continue to do things as we do them today. Thanks for listening to Faithful Adaptation, an audio series from Luther Seminary. Stay up to date on our Faith Lead conversations and see upcoming guests in the series. Join the Faith Lead Learning Laboratory, the social network for Christian leaders to connect and share at faithlead.mn.co. Thanks for joining us.